good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. That's a good way to start off the day. Why don't we say that together? I am well, all is well. Okay, you don't need anything more. I can go sit down. <laughs> uh, many years ago, I think it was, uh, well, I think it was in the 90s. That's many years to me now. I went with uh, a friend to Europe for the very first time in Paris. And there was a group of people that wanted to go to see what I call the Shrine of the Lords of France. And it's something that I'll always remember because you know, the emotion was very strong, very palpable. I was really feeling, you know, I think what people were going through and the empathy that I had for them because thousands of people in different states and stages of, of, of illness and, and incapacity would go on this pilgrimage of hope uh, to the shrine that was supposedly to give them healing. And as I look back, uh, I think the most startling thing about all of this, that although I think it was well-intentioned and probably meant to be loving, there was a pamphlet. I didn't understand what it read because it was in French, but eventually somebody translated it. Anyway, they gave out a pamphlet to the people that there were showing up who came there for the healing. And I later found out it, it had these words in it that were, for me at the time, stunning and maybe a little bit discouraging even. Essentially, what it said is that many of you will return home without a healing and that it's God's will that you may have this illness. And you have been blessed with the privilege of knowing that there's no other way to heaven except first you have to suffer. Okay. In my mind, of course, that didn't make any sense. Because if that were true, if we would take that point of view, then any attempt to remedy you know, an illness or heal would be against the will of God. Because by that logic, uh, the worse we were, the better it would be for us. And, of course, I said they didn't think that idea through. Because if it was God's will for us to have the maladies, then it follows that when, even when the master teacher in his Jesus, when he was having his healing ministry, that Jesus would be the king of blasphemy by going against the will of God. Now, if a person accepts that reasoning that life is chance and all kinds of misluck uh, is a quirk of uh, nature and we're just born 
sinners and, and nothing we can do about that, then we could never expect to really be healed from whatever level there is. And, you know, I like that quote that Paul talked about was that a healing is not necessarily a, a physical healing. It can be, you know, letting go of that which is not us. So it's on many different levels. But anyway, they were trying to say that you were kind of destined for this. It's part of our life. After all, it was God's will. What are you going to do? But there is no God like that. For once we catch the idea that we are spiritual beings, and the very expression of God made in the image and likeness of this infinite presence, we will never be satisfied until we find some way to improve our well-being in any area of our life that we know can be improved. I was at the Parliament of World Religions last month, and there was a breakout session, and there was a session on the topic of the women of new thought. Because if you look at most of our you know, new thought teachings, you know, the Unity, Divine Science, Center for Spiritual Living, and, and that era, most of the real heavy lifting was done by women. Just, just saying. <laughs> but it reminded me when they were doing the presentation of the story of Myrtle Fillmore, who was the co-founder of Unity. Uh, Myrtle had a, was beset with a physical trouble at the time. Uh, she had tuberculosis, which at that time gave people very little chance of survival. And so she and Charles Fillmore attend a whole bunch of metaphysical lectures, and they study many philosophies that we've come to know as new thought. And one night they were listening to what is now a pretty much forgotten lecturer by the name of E.B. Weeks. And a lone idea dawned in her awareness, dawned in her consciousness, kind of a light bulb came into her when he said these words, you are a child of God. Therefore, you do not inherit sickness. But he could have well have said things like, you are a child of God, you do not inherit lack. You are a child of God, you do not inherit failure. You are a child of God, you do not inherit loneliness. You are a child of God, you do not inherit anxiety or fear or limitation. But I think in order to get there, we must first answer this question. Do you really want to express who you are as a child of God? Do you want to express your wholeness in whatever part of life that is not expressing that wholeness? Do you want to be healed? And that was the question that Jesus posed to the man who was infirmed and hanging out the pool of Bethesda in that Bible story in the Gospel of John. As I mentioned, John is filled with lots of symbolism and mysticism and uh, it's rich it's lots of symbols and if I were to summarize the story there was a guy who was suffering for 38 years and he was waiting to be placed in this pool of Bethesda and it said there were five porticos or five porches surrounding this pool and the five horse significance as I'll point out later and it was considered to be a healing pool because whenever an angel ruffled the waters and moved the waters it had healing power. And then the first people who jumped in the pool, they were healed. And then the power was supposedly used up, and then they had to wait until the angel came back to shake up the water again. And so Jesus saw this guy, and he had been uncomfortable for 38 years, and he says to him, do you want to be healed? And the disciples around him probably saying, Jesus, don't ask him that. You know, you're embarrassing us. Of course he wants to be healed. He's been waiting here for 38 years. 
And Jesus penetrated the man's awareness. He pierced his soul and said, what's really going on? What's happening? And the man went on to say, you know, talk about his story. He said, I couldn't get in the pool. People, you know, getting in front of me. They keep jumping in front of me, and I can't make it. And the man said, and Jesus said to the man, uh, there's a part of you just making excuses. Someone may ask someone, why aren't you living your dream? Why aren't you moving in the direction that you want to have? Why aren't you praying with intensity? Why aren't you expanding your life? And sometimes we may have those justifications that we can articulate the time, the place, and who and how somebody did something to us, knocked us off our path. We haven't been able to set ourselves since in the right sense. We might say it's our parents, it's our children, it's our boss. It was the people who misused us, abused us, did not understand us, knew nothing about us. Maybe they knew too much about us. We may use a litany of excuses that we think will serve us. But then the five senses come up. That's what the five porticos or the five porches represent. The five senses are, you know, are a human way of seeing things. They represent or seeing life from a limited perspective. And so Jesus looked at this guy, and he knew it was about intention. It was about our spiritual intention. It's about our willingness to be more than we thought we could be. And with that penetrating, soul-searching energy, he asked, Wilt thou be made whole? That's just how it says it in those Bible scriptures. And somewhere within him, the man knew he was busted. He could no longer say, Guess what happened to me? And he nodded in affirmative and said, Yes. And Jesus said to him in that story, take up thy bed and walk. Go live your life. Live to your highest potential. So we may ask an updated version of that question. Do we want to be healed in whatever area of our life? Do we want to live from a place of wholeness? Are we willing to live life fully in this instant? Because if not, there's no reason to be healed in any area of our life. You know, sometimes we have things come up, you know, we have challenges with abundance of prosperity or resentment. All those things are apprenticeships to help us discover a spiritual principle to bring us up higher. But if we're not willing to come up higher, if we're not willing to be whole, there's no reason to change if we're not willing to live life fully and in alignment with God's intention for our life. You know, I often share about my own dark night of the soul. I had reached a very low point in my life, and, and I was uh, in, in the hallway of the courthouse, and, you know, my life was just over a cliff and, you know, wondering whether I wanted to even live any longer. And, and someone came out of the blue. I didn't know them, but they knew me for some reason, and they asked me, do I want to get some help. And, of course, up until that time, I didn't believe I don't need no help. I'm doing just fine. Of course, that was totally contrary to the facts. But in that moment, she asked me that question, do I want to get some help? And for some reason at that moment, I said yes. And it led to a whole different trajectory of my life, from moving from a drift to living a life of greater meaning and a journey of an ongoing spiritual evolution. But when we say yes to the question, then what? How do we go about manifesting the healing that we need in any area of our life? How do we bring about the wholeness that we're seeking that we know is there? 
As I always like to say, there's no definitive how-tos. You know, sometimes we may think there's step one, do this, step two, do this, step three, do this. I think all those things are helpful because it strengthens our faith in spiritual principles and spiritual law of forgiveness and love and abundance and peace of mind. But I really say we do all of that to keep the ego busy until the Holy Spirit can do the work. The whole spirit of God is the one that really does the work. That just kind of keeps us busy. You know, I remember last week when I mentioned that, you know, I went to silent unity, that when they start their services, it's not I, but the God within, the Christ within that does the work. So what we do is create the conditions that make the result inevitable. And one of the first steps we could do is embody the idea that behind the statement that's found in Matthew, the 15th chapter and 11th verse, where it said it's not what comes into your mouth that matters, but what comes out of your mouth that really makes all the difference in the world. What are we speaking every moment of the day? You know, there used to be uh, a little ditty in, in Unity. I used to think it was, ah, that was so corny. But now that I think about it, it, it really makes a lot of sense. And it used to sing, Every little cell of my body is healthy. Every little cell of my body is well. And it went on and on and on and on just like that. But, you know, we realize there's something powerful about speaking those words. And what we want to do is let the right things come out of our mouth. And thus when you and I are affirming and expressing what we're doing is saying the dynamic power and speaking the words of truth. And the more that we do this, the more we're going to experience the wholeness and the healing that we're seeking. And every part and every cell and every function and every organ and every aspect of our being begins to get in alignment with what we're speaking. There's someone who says something to the effect, we need to hurl the words of truth into the arena of life and watch them work. There's power in our words. So we don't want to say things like, oh, I'm so unlucky. Oh, I'm destined to be ill. Oh, I'm always the one catching the illness. Or I'm prone to have accidents. And all these things will come and find us once we start speaking those things. Now, this is about as simple I think it can get to in this matter of spiritual healing on any level. But it's important that we grasp the idea that spiritual healing is not complicated. It's mystical. It's simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. And I say it's simple in the sense that we're dealing with the very simple fundamentals of life. It's not easy because one has to keep on and keep on and keep on and keep on until something clicks. And that's what Myrtle Fillmore did when she had her healing. She had to you know, do her spiritual work for like two years, praying, meditating, affirming to reach the point where she went from a diagnosis of sure death to living another 40 years in her life. It takes work. I think for our answer to be a resounding yes to the question, are we ready to be healed and whole, we have to expect a miracle. We have to speak with conviction. We don't want to just, because I always say we don't get what we pray for. We get what we expect. What are we expecting deep down inside? You know, we may be struggling with something, you know, in our life. You know, we all go through stuff. You know, the body temple's acting up. You know, the family relatives are acting up. 
There's some lack or limitation showing up in our life. All kind of crazy stuff going on in this world. And somewhere along the way, we have forgotten that behind that, there's a spiritual pattern, a perfect idea in the mind of God. And we may have been inundated with circumstances, and we may try to fight it and hope it goes away. We play mental games with ourselves, and we wish I woulda, coulda, shoulda. It's wrapped up in all those circumstances. But our job is to lift our awareness and not fight the circumstances, not merely change the situation, but lift our awareness, lift our consciousness to that point that we call heaven, which is ever-expanding good. And then be aware of the pattern of perfection that is our life, and it will begin to take us over. You know, in the Aramaic language, the word prayer means slotha, which means to set a trap. I didn't make that up. I think it's a good thing, though. So when Jesus was talking about prayer, what he's really doing is setting a mental trap. He was telling set a mental trap for the ideas of spirit making it receptive for a spiritual idea, the perfect pattern that we have forgotten. Because oftentimes we get so much caught up in the circumstance. That's why they, you know, I think um, Matthew Fox, Emmett Fox said, don't think about the problem, think about God. Because God is the solution. He doesn't give us the solution, it is the solution. So what he's saying, Jesus is saying when we talk about prayer, set a trap, become receptive. Is saying in substance, here I am. I'm listening. And in that expectation, we're being available to setting a trap for the ideas and the qualities of God that are present everywhere. And they begin to move through us. And suddenly we see differently. Suddenly in the midst of the circumstance, in the midst of the seeming problem, in the midst of the calamity, Whatever that calamity may be, behind that we see the spiritual idea. We set a trap. It has caught us. We may call it a miracle, but it's just a walk in the park to this presence that we call God. You know, I'm aware that every major religion has come into being, has come into being around the mystery or what we call the miraculous. You know, in Christianity, it's the story of the resurrection. In Islam, it's about Muhammad writing the Quran without a mistake, even though he was seemingly illiterate. It was about the Buddha being under the Bodhi tree and getting into another dimension of enlightenment. I think when we study the genesis of all major religions, it's a miracle, it's the mystery, it's the miraculous that brought it into reality. It is something we cannot understand intellectually or logically because that's the five senses. We have to go beyond that into the mysterious. But when we limit ourselves to the five senses, that level of belief, we're simply trying to set things right based upon what we can see. But faith is believing in that which you cannot see. And so when we go into the five senses, we're forgetting the physical, we're forgetting the physical dimension. Whatever we see is nothing more than a shadow of reality. And so we get caught up in the shadow, and we forget about the sun. 
We forget about the light. We forget about the pattern. We forget about wholeness. We want to be of the mindset, I expect a miracle. I'm not settling for anything else. I do not know how it's going to happen. All I know, there is a perfect pattern behind me. It has never been hurt. It's never been harmed. It's never been endangered in any way. It is alive in me, and I expect it to break out all over. I'm setting a monster trap for a brilliant idea, a monster healing, the great transformation. It's going to take over my life. That's who we are. That's who all of us are. So I ask, are you ready to proclaim your wholeness? Are you ready to live life fully? Are you ready to have that healing, whatever area of life that you're looking for? It is done. And so it is. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center